A lot of people accessorize today now, don't they? Put on an outfit. Maybe ladies have a set of earrings that they accessorize with. Maybe they have a purse that they accessorize with. Men, we accept. I'm sorry? Earrings and purses. And on some occasions, you're getting really extravagant. <laughs> Men, we might extrava- uh, um, accessorize with a hat, right? Maybe a pair of, pair of boots. I'm sorry? Or a tie. Or a tie, yeah, we might accessorize with a tie. I've accessorized the last seven weeks. A week of crutches and seven weeks with that thing. All because I, I don't have my wireless on, so I have to stand here. Ben is, ben is pointing. <laughs> microphone, microphone. Seven weeks of wearing that thing because years ago, five or six years ago, I broke my big toe. You should go to the hospital and get that taken care of, Kathy said. They're not going to do anything. I'll live with it. It'll get better, better. Well, it got to the point where if I stubbed it or bumped it or somebody stepped on it, it would swell up and get really sore for weeks at a time. So that happened to me three times over last year. So I said, this year's the year. I need to go get it taken care of. So I went to the doctor, and he looked at it, and he goes, yeah, that's sore. I said, yeah, yeah, it's sore. <laughs> he said, we're just going to, we're just, just going to um, cut it open and shave down the bone, take all the bones apart and clean out all the arthritis that's in it. Then we're going to put everything back together and put an a actual screw in it and then stitch it all up, and it'll be fine. Seven weeks with that thing. It wasn't just fine. And that toe, when I was recovering, you don't know how much you do with your big toe when you don't have it. You take shoes off with that big toe and you can't do it with you got that big boot on. You know, you put your toe to your heel and you pull your shoe off. You can't do that. Seven, actually eight weeks, because I was on crutches the first week, seven weeks in the boot. You can't get it wet. You can't get in the shower. That little toe way down there, sore, it's hurt. You stumble around, you fumble around, you wear that boot. That boot's two inches higher than your other foot. It affects your whole body. We'll conclude that story at the end of today's message. Habits of the early church. We've got to agree on a few things before we can get to today's scripture. The first of which is that God is king. He is master. He is Lord. And he is father. 
God is King, Master, Lord, and Father. If you can't agree with those four statements, you either need to get saved, we need to have a conversation about what being saved is, or you need to take seriously the Word of God. We also need to agree, to agree that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, Savior of the world, for all that believe. Jesus Christ is the Son of God, Savior of the world, for all that believe. And that the Holy Spirit is our guide and our comforter, which lives inside of every believer, and that the Word of God, inspired by God, written by man, that is our Bibles, that we hold so preciously to the Word of God, both the Old and the New Testament. Those are our foundations that we cannot be swayed upon, that we must build our life off. So let's set the stage for just a moment before we get to Acts 2.42. What's happening? What's going on just before that? Acts 2.36-41, if you're in your church Bible, your pew Bible, it's found on page 1082. 1082. Acts 2.36-41. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, Christ, Jesus, both Lord and Christ. Both King and Savior. This Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. God has made him both Lord and Christ, King and Savior. That is so important for us to understand. The people that were there that day were cut to the heart. They responded to the preaching of the word. They asked a question when they were cut to the heart. What shall we do? Repent and be baptized, they were told. Turn and give your life to Christ. Be born again. Receive the Holy Spirit. 
brothers and sisters, if these are terms that you are not comfortable with, if you are not aware of what they mean, we need to have a conversation. These are the foundations of the Christian faith. This is for you, your children, and all who are far off. Do you realize that today we are the far off ones? They were in Jerusalem. This is for you and your children and the far off ones, the generations that will come after you. Save yourself from this crooked generation by giving your life to Christ. If that is not applicable to today, if you cannot see that in today's culture, save yourselves from this crooked generation by giving your life to Christ. What did they do? They received the word. They believed. And they followed in baptism. Pray with me as we get into today's message. Father God, as we have set the stage, Peter is preaching to the city of Jerusalem, all that would listen. They were cut to the heart. And they believed, but they didn't know what to do. They were told, repent, turn from your ways, turn towards God, and be baptized, and receive the Holy Spirit. Father, as we get further into your word this day, I just pray that for each one that's here, if they haven't received this, if they haven't done this, that they will not leave this place without asking the question, what shall we do? Moreover, that you'll fill us fresh and anew with the Holy Spirit. That for those believers that are here, that they'll be drawn in, that their hearts will be given to you, that the word will be fresh and alive and new in their lives. We give you all the praise and all the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the stage, stage is set. Acts 2.42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. My mission this morning is to talk about the first two aspects of those four things. The apostles' teaching and the fellowship. Justin will be here next week to talk about the breaking of bread and the prayers. And they devoted themselves. And they devoted themselves. What does that mean? Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 tells us, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works, not neglecting meeting together. As, an, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another for all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let us not neglect meeting together, but stir one another up to love and to good works. 
in that Acts 40, in that Acts 2, 42 through 47, I think it is, it says that day by day, every day, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Can you think of a setting in your past or maybe something that you're going through right now in a school or in college where you were required to learn? Moreover, not that you're just required to learn, but you're actually learning something that you want to learn. I've been in both situations where I've been in military classes where I couldn't care what was going on. I would rather count the panes in the window than to listen to what the instructor was speaking about. And there have been other times where I've been in classes where I really wanted to know what was being taught. And I'd pay special attention and I'd devote my attention to what was being said and what was up on the screen and how I was learning. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Have you devoted yourselves to the task of learning? Can you say that about God's word today? Devoting oneself to a specific task denotes a steadfast and single-minded devotion to a certain course of action. Maybe you can relate this way to a sports analogy, specifically for you guys up there, but to some of you ladies. If a basketball player wants to get good at shooting foul shots, what does he do? He practices. Very good. He might say, I'm going to shoot 500 foul shots a day so that I will get better. With any blessing, after days or weeks of doing this, he does get better. As a matter of fact, he might make shooting foul shots look easy, wouldn't he? Or couldn't he? He or she. Because he devoted or they devoted themselves to the task. Brothers and sisters, we need to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. We need to devote ourselves to understanding what's going on in this book. What does devotion day by day to the apostles' teaching might look like? Giving time to learn, having a desire to know, reading God's word, listening to godly music, listening to good preachers and to good preaching. Feeding your soul with God's nourishment, his word. Not just on Sunday morning. Day by day. The apostles had 3,000 new, hungry for the word, babies in Christ. 3,000. I know families that's had 
twins and triplets. I've never personally known anybody that's had quadruplets, but they're out there. And they say how hard it is to take care of that many. 3,000 new babes in Christ that were hungry for the word. There was 12 of them, remember? 12 apostles. Colossians 3, 15 through 17. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. Note, one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all Wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Yes, church, where the Spirit reigns, a love of God's word reigns. A love of God's church reigns. 3,000 needing what Peter called pure spiritual milk. Maybe you can relate to this. An animal analogy. A mother dog with her puppies. In its feeding time, she comes into where the puppies are, and she lays down, and you see all those puppies run up, each one trying to get to her so that they can be fed. That's how we're to desire the Word of God. Pure spiritual milk. With that enthusiasm, we are called to desire the word of God. That scripture is found in 1 Peter. It says, so put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is Hear these apostles. 3,000 new babies. We're teaching and training and feeding those 3,000. Today, it's just important for us, church, to feed and be taught and to learn and to read and to watch, and to know what God's Word says. When the Spirit reigns, they were filled with the Spirit. When the Spirit reigns, God's people devote themselves to the study of His Word. 
A quote from Richard Warmbrand, who was a Roman evangelical Lutheran pastor, born in 1909. He was talking to another pastor, and that pastor described his church as a Bible-believing church. Pretty good description, I would think. Richard stopped him and paused. Wait a minute. But are you a Bible-living church? See, if we're filled with the Spirit, we're going to want to live a certain way. If we're paying attention to the apostles' teaching, we're going to want to live a certain way. But we can have all the head knowledge in the world and not live as God desires us to live. Not follow Jesus' example. Are you, are we truly living out God's word in our day-to-day lives. Which leads to our second point of the day, fellowship. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. They devoted themselves to fellowship. That word fellowship The Greek word is koinonia. This is the first time it is used in the New Testament word. It only appears after the gift of the Holy Spirit. The root idea of koinonia fellowship is commonness or commonality. The New Testament is written in Koinonia Greek, which means common Greek language of that day. We find in our verse of scripture for today, in Acts Acts 2.44, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were filled with the same Spirit, they were, even though they was teachers and students, they were mature people, and they were new believers. They were all filled with the same Holy Spirit, and they were one body. From here on out in the New Testament, when the word is used, Koinonia, fellowship. It denotes some kind of sharing. Either sharing something with someone as found in 2 Corinthians 8 where it says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, a severe test of affliction to this church their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly 
for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. They were begging to take part in being able to give to the saints for the work of Jesus. In this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. They gave to God and they gave to the work of Jesus. They gave to the saints. That's the first kind of sharing that was talked about in the fellowship. The second is of sharing in something someone else has experienced. Here in Acts, we find the church contributing and giving. Acts 2.45, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Brothers and sisters, fellowship will cost. There is a cost associated with desiring and carrying out fellowship through the church. Fellowship comes through giving. Our time, our resources, and yes, our money. God owns it all. We are just stewards of his riches. True fellowship is found when we are willing to reach out to others and give something of ourselves. Remember this early church. They devoted themselves to this, to the fellowship. Devotion implies that they worked at it. They worked at spending time together, getting to know one another. That's what Saturday night at the pages is all about. Coming out and spending time sitting around a campfire and just talking, just getting to know one another. Fellowship comes at a price. You could say that it costs us our Saturday nights. But I'm here to tell you, when you give to the Lord and you give to others the rewards far outweigh any cost that you incur Saturday night at the pages there was probably 20 of us sitting around the campfire and we had the giant Jenga game set up Everybody would take a turn going up and trying to get a piece out of it and put on the top. We've laughed and played and talked and shared some instances, shed a tear. We've prayed. We spent time with each other. We've had Cornelia Fellowship. In the body of Christ, in his church, brothers and sisters, what would happen if the church, if we sought 
Jesus fervently together. If we loved one another sacrificially, and if we shared the gospel boldly, day by day, it would give opportunity for the Lord for the Lord to rescue souls. We're told in that verse of scripture that the Lord added to their number day by day those who were those who were being saved so many times we can read over that word oh, that's one of those church words saved implies that there is a rescue that is needed I have people, and I bet you have people, in need of rescue. How are we going to move forward? How are we going to live in such a manner that the Lord will add day by day to the number that are being saved in our families, in our cities, in our towns, in those that are around us? The early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. And the Lord added. So, Pastor Mike, what was this arbitrary First Chronicles scripture that Tim read? That seems kind of out of place. Our hymns and our conversations have been around allowing God to lead us. And then we have this First Chronicles scripture in 29. King David was saying, Solomon, my son, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. God chose him, so he's the man. But he's inexperienced. And the work is great. For the palace will not be for man, but for the Lord. 
So I have provided for the house of my God, so far as I was able. Gold for the gold things, silver for the silver things, bronze for the bronze things, iron for the iron things, and wood for the wood things. Besides great quantities of onyx, precious stones, marbles. Moreover, in addition to all that I have already provided, I have a treasure of my own. I have my own things. Now, King David was in charge of everything. So he could take and give and distribute and move stuff from one place to another. And he did all that. He provided everything. The temple. But he says, I have my own wealth. Gold and silver. And because of my devotion to the house of God, I give it to the house of my God. Not only am I giving the treasures of the government, of the land, of the people, I'm giving my own as well. Talents of refined silver for overlaying the walls of the house, for all the work to be done by the craftsmen. Gold for the gold things, silver for the things of silver. And then he makes this charge. In verse 5 of 1 Chronicles 29. He throws a gauntlet down. He makes a challenge. I have done this. I've even given of my own. Who then will offer willingly? Who then out there will offer willingly consecrating himself today to the Lord? All this I have done because of my devotion. I freely give of all I have to the holy house of the Lord, the house of my God. Who then will offer willingly, consecrating himself today to the Lord? The same question needs to be asked. Today, in this congregation, who then will offer willingly your time to learn, your resources, and yes, your money. Consecrating yourself to the Lord today. Who will do that? Is there one that needs to do that? That will devote your life, that will devote your time to the teaching and allow Christ to lead you. I told you I would finish the story. That little toe, way down there, 
Sorry, Ben, I'm getting away from the microphone. And I'm sure many of you can relate to something that you've had go wrong with a certain part of your body. Something won't work right. You get a splinter that bothers you and you can't get it out. And it demands your attention. It takes control over in some parts of your life. That little toe way down there for the last eight weeks has made me do things that I didn't want to do. It's because it wasn't right. The church of God, Christ's church, this congregation, if the believers aren't healthy as individuals, as couples, as families, affects the body. It affects us as a whole. It demands our attention. When things are wrong, when things aren't going right, we have to put our focus and our energies in areas that if we weren't there, that we may be able to share the gospel with people if we weren't there dealing with sin, we may be able to spread the good news. Brothers and sisters, we need to be healthy. And we get healthy through devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. And as Justin will bring next week to the breaking of bread and to prayers. Meaning of life. Have I asked yourself that question? I have. It started my journey to understanding who Jesus was. And I was rescued by asking myself that question. What is the meaning to life? It's got to be more than just living and dying and then we're gone and forgotten. It's a good representation to the answer to that question found in Colossians 1, 17 through 20. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. It's talking about Jesus. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Meaning to life is found in Jesus. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the head. And if we press on to understand and let him lead in our lives, he will lead us to life.
And our bodies will be healthy. This body will be healthy. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in everything he might be preeminent. That in everything he might be preeminent first in our lives. For in him all the fullness of God was, ple- was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Making peace. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received the food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Is there one here today in need of saving? Is there one here today in need of rescue? The elders will be up front here after the service. If you have questions, come and speak. Come and ask, what must we do? It's important. Brothers and sisters, if you're here and you're hurting, if you have a big toe that's taking all your attention, not allowing you the time to give to the Lord, come and talk. The elders are here. We have the answers. Just takes a physician to diagnose what's wrong, to get us back on the right track. Is there one? We'll be here after the service.